Hello everyone, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. Today is episode 177, and we are going to be comparing 1972 and 1973 for The Grateful Dead, uh, as I've now done the exercise of ranking all of the shows uh, for both years. Um, I decided to make it its own episode instead of making the 73 ranking even longer, so here we are, uh, and I also decided to make the, the year-end uh, recap for the show a separate episode after this. Um, so anyway, uh, before we get going, I just want to thank you for stopping by. I know the amount of alone time that it takes to get through a podcast isn't always easy to come by these days, so I appreciate you entrusting me with yours and hope you will find that you chose wisely. Um, as always, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option wherever you are listening, those are very helpful. Um, it's cool to me that we hit 177 episodes here because uh, I remembered that two years ago we ended the year at episode 77 with the 73 portion of the Listen to the River box set, actually. Uh, so that means that we've stayed at a a 50 work week pace these past two years even when it's felt like we we're sagging a bit so that was encouraging to me um anyhow so this is really only going to be split in two parts i'm not going to do chapter markers uh we're just gonna roll through it um by the numbers and then how they compare and then by feel how they compare so Number of shows, they played 86 in 1972 compared to 73, but we're missing the one, so, you know, we only have 72 to work with uh, for 1973. So, in light of that, for the numbers that we'll get to in just a second, uh, there's a few here that this doesn't apply to. Um, I multiplied by 1.19 for the like the play counts for each song in 73 so that we would be comparing apples to apples for the percentages uh it'll make sense when we get to it so for average score in terms of my rankings 72 finished with a 92.4 and 73 finished with a 92.8 um if you dig a little deeper when i look at my uh my graph with the uh the bar graph showing the progression of their scores throughout the year 73 starts much uh stronger through the first um you know dozen or so shows and uh doesn't peak or doesn't dip quite as low, but does have a few more random dips as you go through the year. Um, but you know, you, um, I would say is a bit more consistent in the sense that they were closer to the level they would finish at, uh, right from the start of the year. Uh, interestingly, they both, have a kind of a sag in the middle that roughly corresponds with the summer months. Um, different portions for of the summer for each, but yeah, um, I I would probably agree with that that seventy uh, three's average might be slightly higher. Uh, but with 72, like the floor was higher in 73, uh, even on a, an off or slightly uninspired night, like they were just so good by that point, it was still going to be pretty good. But I think 72 has a few more, um, more shows in that top, top tier. Uh, well, 73 did have more 99s, but, um, First shows getting 100, for instance, um, it happened four or five percent of the time in 72. Four out of 86 shows 
compared to one of 72. It only happened you know, about 1% of the time in 1973. Uh, they both had uh, 10 that were 99 or 100, though. So, yeah, I don't know. but in that tier just beneath that, uh, I think it's a bit thicker in 72. Anyway, uh, for setlist variety, um, the setlist, the average setlist variety score for 72 was 45.054, uh, but the theoretical mean was 42.5. So that's my metric where I just add up the, the number of plays, uh, for the year that each song in the set list had, and then divide by how many songs they played that night. Um, so the theoretical mean is halfway between one and 86. You can't score a zero. The best score you could get would be a one, meaning that every song played that night, that's the only time it was played all year. And the, in theory, the worst score would be 86. Every song was played every night. Um, so 42.5 would be directly in between those. Um, so 72 fared on average. Um, the difference there is 2.554. And, and so, it, you know, on average, it was more standard than it should have been in theory. Uh, if you catch where I'm going. And anyway, compared to 73, it had a 37.167. Um, but the, uh, it would be expected to be lower with fewer shows. So the theoretical mean for 73 would be 35 and a half. Um, the, uh, so it, it underperformed the expected average by a, fair bit less 1.667 compared to 2.554. So that's interesting. 73 wins on that front. Um, basically doing a better job of circulating the batch of songs that are kind of common for the year. And, uh, yeah. And then in terms of number of songs played 72 wins, uh, with 92 different songs played compared to uh, 71 for 1973, but you know, adjusted for inflation, if you will, adjusted to what that pace would be for 86 shows, uh, 72 would still beat 73, 92 to 84. Uh, in terms of number of different songs that they opened with, 73 wins, uh, they opened with 13 different songs in 72 compared to 16 different songs in 73, uh, which would be adjusted up to 19. So, um, they were on pace to do even better. However, what gets really interesting is if you look at the frequency of the openers, um, promised land in 73 is the most common opener between either year. 43% of the time, that's what they opened with in 73. It was also the most common opener in 72, but slightly less so, 37%. And Bertha, which was the second most common opener both years, uh, it was much closer between the two in 72, 37 to 29, as opposed to 43 to 19 here in 73. Um, and then... Another difference is in 72, the, uh, the batch of openers right after that were about twice as common as the, the, uh, you know, the next grouping was in 73. Um, so even, even though 73 mixed up the openers in terms of having more of them, it was more, they stuck to the common, to their handful of favorites a lot, even more so. It's just when they did mix it up, it was like all bets were off. Um, 
So in 72, then you had cold rain and snow 8% of the time, and greatest story ever told in trucking 7% of the time each. Compare that to 73, the next most common opener after Bertha, 19%, is cold rain and snow, and here comes sunshine 4% of the time each. Uh, oh, and me and my uncle. So they were each the opener three times in 73. Um, Mississippi Half Step, Morning Dew, Ramble on Rose, Tennessee Jed, and Big Railroad Blues were each the opener uh, twice. Uh, compared to 72, they only had uh, two that were uh, two-time openers. Don't ease me in and play in the band. Both years have six songs that they only opened with once for 72. Around and Around, Big Railroad Blues, Big River, Bo Diddley, China Rider, and Morning Dew. And for 73, Beat It On Down the Line, although I think that one might be an incomplete tape. Um, Casey Jones, China Rider, Cumberland Blues, Loose Lucy, Wave That Flag. Um, in terms of how they ended their first sets, the 72 had more options, 15 to 10, which would be adjusted up to 12. Uh, but kind of the reverse of what we saw with the openers, uh, Casey Jones was the most common first set closer between the two years, 58% of the time in 72. Um, whereas 73's most common is first set closers playing in the band 50% of the time. Uh, plan was second most common in 72 in that role, 21%. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with too many of these stats, um, but 73 did have a big cluster after that in the uh, 15 to 3% of the time range, around and around, Weather Report Suite, Casey Jones, China Rider, Big River, Tennessee Jed, um, whereas 72's next most common in that role were down to like 2 and 1% of the time. Um, so more diversity in how they were closing the first sets in 73. And really they shook it up quite a bit uh, for that role in the fall. It was more so the, the first half of the year where almost every night the first set closed with playing which is fine. It works well in that role, as is the case most of the time with the one that ends up being the most common. Um, for second slash third set openers, they had 22 different songs in that role in 73, uh, which would be adjusted up to 26 for the 72 pace. Uh, and they had 21 fill that role in 72. So um, in both cases, the uh, how they started the middle set was the the position that was most in flux of all the set list bookends. Uh, in seventy two, the most common mid set opener was greatest story ever told. Well, greatest story in to greatest story ever told and trucking tied for first, both with fifteen percent of the time. Promised land right after that, fourteen percent. Um, and then it dropped down to play in 9% of the time. He's gone, good love, and Bertha. Pretty even split as you worked your way down. Um, in 73, the most common in that role is Mississippi Half Step, 17% of the time, so uh, a bit higher than any one song in 72, but um, spread around a bit more beneath that, whereas 72 had a cluster up there three songs around that sort of range. Um, Promised Land kicked off set two or three 11% of the time in 73. China Rider did so 10%. Um, and then there's a big mix after that greatest story. Here comes Sunshine playing in the band, trucking around and around. Loose Lucy, Ramble on Rose, Bertha, he's gone, they love each other. I would say that role felt like it was done a bit better in 72, but um, in both cases, they tried some cool things. In terms of show closer pre-encore, or where there's no encore, uh, 12 different ones in 72, 
only 10 different ones in 73, but that would be adjusted to 12. So um, sugar magnolia was the most common. Sugar magnolia in 73 was the most common closer between the two years, 46% of the time. Uh, the highest in 72 was not fade away, 38%. But Sugar Mags was 17 and One More Saturday Night was 15. Um, so that those three took up a big chunk of the Settlers Closers. Um, 73, even though Sugar Mags itself was really, really common, the, the love was spread around a bit more frequently beneath that. You had One More Saturday Night 15% of the time, Casey Jones 14%, Johnny B. Good uh, 6% of the time. Around and around, not fade away in Uncle John's band each a few times, morning do a few times, um, and then uh, going down the road feeling bad and playing in the band once each. In both years, this seemed to be the position where they were least inclined to try something wacky. I'd say they maybe took slightly more chances in this role in 72. Um, ending with uh with broke down palace once and with sing me back home once and even the stranger two souls in communion once in terms of encores uh 73 had a decent advantage here i would say uh 15 different encore songs uh, which would adjust up to 18 72 they really only had six different ones and three songs that were teased 26 miles to Santa Catalina sidewalks of New York and stars and stripes forever. But really, um, for 72, it was one more Saturday night, 44% of the time, uncle John's band, 15%, Johnny be good, 14%, uh, Casey Jones and sugar Magnolia twice each and around and around once, Compare that to 73, and the leader is, uh, well, Casey Jones and One More Saturday Night both tied for 21% of the time, so together they even don't quite add up to how often it was One More Saturday Night in 72. Uh, and that makes uh, the encore in 73 the most influx set list bookend between the two years apart from uh, how they would start the second set. Uh, so those two combine to be the most common encore. Johnny B. Good slightly behind that 17% of the time. Uh, and then Uncle John's band, We Bid You Good Night, and Stella Blue in the 7 to 3% of the time range, respectively. Uh, and then uh, the, the rare encores around and around, eyes of the world, going down the road feeling bad, morning dew. Uh, the three with um, with the Allman Brothers, Mountain Jam, Not Fade Away, Sing Me Back Home, um, and uh, Sugar Magnolia and Truckin' once each as well. So not only did they spread it around more with the encores in 73, but I think they took more chances uh, doing encoring with a song like Stella Blue, for sure, Eyes of the World. Um, and if it's true that they did trucking at the Lincoln show, uh, then that's pretty cool. So that's how much they were shaking up the bookends of the set list in each year. What about just the, the songbook that they were working with in each year? There are more songs exclusive to 72 than there are exclusive to 73. Um, for 72, and I'm not including the Bo Diddley set, uh, I'm only including the ones where it's actually like the Grateful Dead playing it and singing it. Um, other 72 still might win on this front, but it. Yeah, anyway, I just figured it was more fair that way. Um, so exclusive to 72, there's Are You Lonely For Me, Addicts of My Life, Big Boss Man, Caution, Chinatown Shuffle, Comes a Time, Cryptical Envelopment, 
friend of the devil, good lovin', hey Bo Diddley, how sweet it is to be loved by you, hurts me too, it's all over now, baby blue, Mr. Charlie, next time you see me, rockin' pneumonia and the boogie woogie flu, sitting on top of the world, smokestack lightning, the stranger, tomorrow is forever, turn on your love light, and you win again. Whereas in 73, exclusive to it, we have China Doll, Eyes of the World, Here Comes Sunshine. It takes a lot to laugh, it takes a train to cry, let me sing your blues away, Loose Lucy, Peggy O, Ro Jimmy, that's alright mama, the race is on, they love each other, to lay me down, wave that flag, we bid you good night. weather report sweet, and you ain't woman enough to take my man. Um... So that adds up to adds up to 19 songs exclusive to 72 compared to 13 exclusive to 73. Uh, however, in terms of like quality, which year do I think won? Uh, I would say seven the the songs exclusive to 72 two, uh, are better on the covers front, but the originals exclusive to 73 are better. Um, like 72, you got Addicts of My Life, which is fantastic, but they only played it twice. Um, Friend of the Devil is a great original that they played a fair bit. Um, the Stranger is a great original, I think, Big Pen tune. Um, but all of the other ones on that list for 72 uh even if they were like dead standards like good loving turn on your love light they're still covers smokestack lightning is a cover rocking pneumonia sitting on top of the world cover cover you win again cover tomorrow is forever cover um it's all no it's all over now baby blue how sweet it is to be loved by you cover cover um whereas when you consider the originals introduced that are exclusive to 73 between the two years um, China Doll to a lesser extent for me uh, Eyes of the World and Here Comes Sunshine count huge uh, Ro Jimmy as well They Love Each Other To Lay Me Down less so because it wasn't played that often Weather Report Sweet um, so I would actually say the uh, the song they were working with an even better song book uh, in 73 because I do it is one of my core tenets that you got to give the tiebreaker to originals um then you've got 47 proper songs like not mind left body jam and stuff like that uh common to both years of those 47 20 rows in frequency in 73 compared to 72 26 declined in frequency and trucking stayed exactly the same um this is where i multiplied the the play counts for the 73 for the songs in 73 by 1.19 to make it equal um if we have a look at this the um the biggest gainers were looks like rain which rose 427% um, Big River which uh, rose in frequency by 133% Around and Around was up 131% uh, Stella Blue up 100% Box of Rain up 88% um, so of those that's the the one, the really good improvement, in my opinion. Um, Don't ease me in, up seventy-one percent. Warfrat up sixty-seven percent. Surprised me a bit. Um, and then the rest. Uh, most of the time, it's not actually indicating a huge difference in number of plays. Like Black Peter and Dire Wolf, up twenty percent, but that's because they were played five times instead of four, kind of thing. Um, in terms of the the biggest sliders, uh, Sing Me Back Home declined in frequency 81%, Drums down 79%, Black-Throated Wind down 76 
Um, Cumberland Blues down 70%. Cold Rain and Snow down 64%. Uh, Big Railroad Blues down 62.5%. Bird Song down 58%. Broke Down Palace down uh, 53%. And uh, damningly, Dark Star down 32%. Uncle John's Band down 32%. The other one down 38%. Personally, I would say the large changes in frequency, uh, so let's call those greater than 20% in either direction, for the most part, were not for the better. Um, so, Morning Dew going up, that's good. Dire Wolf, Black Peter, yeah, that's all good. Half Step going up, sure. Warfrat going up, yeah, that's good. Donnie's Mien going up. Yeah, it's fine. Box of Rain going up. That's great. Stella Blue, okay. Around and around going up 131%. Uh, not a huge fan of that. Big River up 133%. Even though they were playing the hell out of it in 73, I don't know about that. Looks like Rain up 427%. Uh, I don't mind it going up. It did go up a lot. It was played 11 times in 72. And then... Uh, shelved for a bit uh, well after July until 73 and then it's played 49 times in 73 um, anyway uh, so it's not that those uh, songs going up in frequency is bad it's when you look at the songs that declined in frequency um, these are the drops of 20% or more Playing in the band, down 21%. Sugar Magnolia, down 21%. Sugary, down 27%. Loser, down 28%. That one uh, I'm good with. Uh, Candyman, down 29%. That's the one that I always think should be played more than Loser. Um, and I think Cumberland Blues should be played more than Big River. Uh, anyway, um, Dark Star, down 32%. Uncle John's Band, down 32%. Casey Jones, down 34%. That one, you know, like I love it, but like it's not one where I'm always like, okay, I need to hear a bunch of versions of Casey Jones right now. Um, he's gone down 37%. Ramble on Rose down 37%. Okay. The other one down 38%, not good. Going down the road feeling bad, down 43%. One more Saturday night, down 47%. Um, not bad because those two were played a lot in 72. Broke Down Palace down 53%. That's not good. A bird Song down 58%. Uh, Cold Rain, Cumberland. but So overall, uh, I think it lost more than it gained within the common songs. Um, mainly with the, the big jams declining in frequency. Um... I would say it's more even and nuanced between the two years on this front than some would suggest. 73 actually has one more song that was played at more than half of the shows, 18 compared to 17. Um, I'd say that they had an even better batch of songs at their disposal in 73, primarily on the strength of two new epics, Eyes of the World and Weather Report Suite, and two new semi-epics, Here Comes Sunshine and Road Jimmy. Good Lovin' is actually the only big song on the exclusive to 72 list that was played often. Um, you know, Turn On Your Love Light's a big song, but they only played it three times. Caution's big, but they only played it five times. Um, so really only Good Lovin' is like an epic that was played often that was outright lost in 73. And again, it's a cover. Um, when you consider the differences in frequency of the common songs, as we were just going through, um, I don't think they always leverage this advantage in songbook as well as they could have. Um, playing Big River three times as often as Dark Star, please. Uh, for a more fair comparison, why would a similar uh, 
in terms of sound and subject matter original like like Cumberland Blues fall in frequency by 70% while Big River climbs by 133%. Don't get me wrong, I know they're playing the hell out of it, but I just chose that as an example. But 59 plays is a lot for a cover that's pretty boring from a songwriting perspective, I think. Um, my My main bone to pick is the decline in frequency by a third or more for both Dark Star and the other one. Uh, and by a fifth for playing in the band. The dip in frequency is reflective of a trend that I observed in the jam suites as a whole. In 72, the suite was almost always centered around a uh, a 20 to 40 plus minute version of Dark Star, the other one, which felt like the musical equivalent of a meal with a large main, like a steak, and then several sides to complement it, like salad, vegetables, garlic breads, um, you know, if you look at the Frankfurt 72 jam suite, for instance, um, 36 minute, the other one is the steak and then truck and jump drums comes a time, uh, sugar magnolia, your salad and your bread and some vegetables or fries or whatever. Um, in 73, the sweets more often than not, uh, the journey seemed to be at least as important as the destination, with Dark Star or the other one sometimes being touched on in passing, often not played at all, and only rarely given a full 72-style workout, though the results were very fruitful when they did do that. Um, instead, the uniqueness or ambitiousness of the sequencing and the transitions or no-man's land between the songs became the focus uh, lending the feel of a, a musical buffet or you know, jambalaya or something where they're like throwing combinations at the wall, seeing what sticks. Between that and the extreme length of some of the 73 sets earlier in the year, particularly, uh, you know, three, four hour shows, uh, lots of set lists running up close to or above 30 songs, um, you know, probably a dozen or so shows in the three and a half between three and a half and four hours, I would say uh, the 73 set lists are higher risk, higher reward. There are a few 73 shows where either the song selection is uninspiring to me or the pacing is just a slog in a way that wasn't the case with any of the 72 shows, uh, due in large part to the virtual omnipresence of at least one, usually multiple big dogs, um, there were only two shows in 72 that had neither Dark Star, the other one, nor playing in the band, uh, those being March 5th at Winterland and the first night in Kansas City, November 12th. Um, so that works out to 2% of the time that happened in 72. There were eight such shows in 73, the first night in Champaign, the Watkins Glen sound check, which, okay, even if you don't count that, um, so eight times, uh, yeah, so it, it happened like 11% of the time in 73, uh, 10% if you don't count the sound check, but, um, the, uh, the second night at, to Nassau, September 8th, second night, Williamsburg, September 12th, uh, Syracuse, September 17th, uh, the first night in Philly, September 20th, Pittsburgh, September 24th, and Cincinnati. Um, so, uh, as you can see, September, particularly poor for having jams. Uh, one of the pluses of the slightly more rigid uh, set list pillars or bookends and general structure in 72 is that it provides a framework for them to rest into and uh, sort of raises the floor in terms of flow. Having said that, when they swing for the fences set list wise and pull it off in 73, shows like Springfield, Second Night in St. Louis, uh, especially San Diego, UCLA, second night in Denver, Boston, etc. the results are amazing. I would say 
that the better stretches of 73, uh, October, November, December, really feel more diverse from night to night than do any similar length stretches of 72. However, 72 doesn't have any stretches that are as dull or uninspired as September was in 73. Uh, really, and this applies overall, not just setlist-wise, you could skip from Seattle on June 26th to Oklahoma City on October 19th without missing much in the grand scheme of things. Maybe hit July 31st for the fiery performance or uh, Watkins Glen for the historical significance if you have time. Performance-wise, I would say the vocals were better, more consistent in 72. I've always found Bobby kind of pitchy in 73, and Phil was definitely already on the downturn. One thing I've always noticed as a drummer is that for whatever reason, Billy seems to incorporate the toms far less than he did in 72 or would in 74. Um, his creative use of the whole kit those two years is phenomenal, so it's always puzzled me why he dialed it back to an extent in 73, perhaps to lay a more secure foundation for the others to go to the next level improvisationally. Um, you could spend hours trying to pin down the differences between these two years, uh, much less convincingly declare a winner, and in the end you'd probably overcomplicate it. I would say as a general rule, in 72 they drive through the songs, whereas in 73 they float through them. The well-known hot mellow moniker is a pretty good description of it for 73, though I don't think they struck the right balance between the two, uh, at least not across an entire show, as often as you might think. And when they missed, in terms of swaying too far to one side or the other of that equation, it was almost always to the mellow side. July 31st, uh, Roosevelt Stadium is really the only one off the top of my head that's great and just a barn burner with little uh, mellowness to it. Uh, I would say you could also safely generalize that 73 has the more intricate interesting playing of the small songs while 72 has the more epic playing of the big songs there are exceptions of course um a few such small songs that i think uh, on average were better in 73 brown-eyed women deal big river tennessee jed ramble on rose and then there's some sort of mid ones that i would give 73 the edge for like morning dew and uncle john's band maybe Warfrat and China Rider. Um, I think all three of the biggies, Dark Star, Other One Playing, were better or more consistent in 72, although playing is an interesting case. Um, in 73, it enters the year as a show centerpiece level song, whereas it grew into that halfway through 72. In 72, it sounded like they were trying, usually aggressively, to push it a little bit further than they'd taken it before uh, every time they played it. Whereas in 73, there are some versions where it sounds like they're on cruise control a bit. In general, I would say the 73 plans are more exploratory, while the 72 ones are more intense. For Darkstar and the other one, I have some number crunching that sort of backs up their 72 superiority um, number crunching as in ranks on heady versions so take it with a grain of salt um, but I do think the the quantities average out to roughly accurate even if the versions chosen aren't the ones I would choose or not how I would order them um, so the uh, in 73, they produced 10 top 75 versions of the other one on heady version, so somewhere in the first five pages, and 11 such versions of Dark Star. For the other one, Salt Lake City ranks 10th, San Diego 20th, Tampa 27th, Buffalo tied for 37th, Vancouver 39th, Chicago, Feb 19th, uh, tied for 47th with the Khazar 1, May 26th, 
uh, St. Louis tied for 52nd, Denver tied for 54th, and Durham tied for 73rd. Uh, compared to for Dark Star, you got the Winterland one sixth, Cleveland 11th, Oklahoma City tied for 17th, Lincoln tied for 22nd, the February Madison one tied for 25th, Springfield 28th, Washington tied 31st, the RFK one, um, the Jerry's Birthday, Jersey City tied 47th, Portland 54th, Tampa tied for 58th, and St. Louis tied for 62nd. That's pretty underrated. Um, so in general, 73 Dark Stars seem to be more highly thought of than other ones, which I would agree with. Um, so even though they put a similar number in the top 75, uh, the other one was more common in 73, played 22 times as opposed to 19. So Dark Star has a higher top 25 percentage um, 58% of the Dark Stars from 73 land in the top 75 compared to 45% for the other one. Conversely, 72 put 22 other ones in the top 75 and 19 Dark Stars. Uh, notice those are the total play numbers for each song in 73. Uh, so, um, you know, not... 72 has a great version of each of those songs to match every time that they were played at all in 73. Um, and percentage-wise, uh, 61% of the Dark Stars in 72 land in the top 75, and 51% of the other ones do. So uh, for both songs, it has a higher batting average, if you will, in 72. Um, and if you uh, if you take the number of top seventy five versions that, that each had and uh, just divide by the number of shows in the year, then that tells you how often uh, a great all time great version of one of those two songs occurred in each year. Um, so in seventy two, you get a top 75 other one about once every fourth show and a top 75 dark star about once every fifth show. Whereas in 73, um, a top 75 version of either happens about once every seventh show. Um, so that's a big drop off if you think about it. Um, 72 has 40 shows with a great version of one or the other. Uh, Bickershaw is on both lists, of course. Um, so 47% of the shows in 72 have not just Dark Star or the other one, but a really solid version of those two songs. I would say being on in the first five pages, you know, top 75 for either probably works out to a great version, at the very least, really good. Um, so if you you know, if, if you're hypothetically like throwing a dart at the list of shows for 72 to, you know, blindfolded pick one to listen to, you have a 47% chance of getting one with a really strong version of Dark Star, the other one. Whereas 73 has just 21 shows with a great version of one or the other, good for just a 29% chance of landing the, uh, proverbial wheel of fortune on one such show. I mean, 72 has uh, four versions of each in the top 10 and like six or seven in the on page one. Yeah, the other one really dipped in 72 from uh, occupying half of page one in 72, seven of the 15 versions. Now, the heady rankings are subjective and imperfect, of course, but I would say that, if anything, uh, based on these, I didn't read off where the 72 ones rank, but uh, if anything, I would say 72 is more underrated on there with fewer suspect inclusions and more glaring omissions. All of that would seem to confirm two hunches I've always had 
Uh, one, that generally speaking, these two epics were played a bit better or more epically in 72, uh, at least more consistently. They proved, they did prove, uh, especially with Darkstar, that they could still reach that level when they wanted to in 73. Um, and that's the frustrating thing for me, that they didn't seem to want to all that often. Um, and the other hunch is that in both years, uh, they were more likely to strike lightning and produce an all-time ver great version with Darkstar, although this disparity is more pronounced in 73. Uh, in terms of vibes between the two years, uh, it's very interesting. As I would say, the playing itself is more vibey in 73, but I think the shows overall have way more vibes in 72. The stark contrast in the amount of stage banter joking around between songs uh, is a big factor. 72 also just has this great kind of youthful innocence about it, especially the first half of the year, uh, that they never had again. On the contrary, 73 has the hot mellow thing and this ephemeral liquid quality that's really uh, unique to it and cool. Perhaps this all comes back to the general increase in venue size for them in 73, but there seems to be a greater separation between artist and audience than in previous years for them, uh, making shows like the Third Night at Winterland, Third Night in Boston stand out so much. In 72, it still felt like you're hanging out, jamming in the living room with them much of the time. Uh, and that feel is mostly gone here in 73. It can still be an immersive experience in the sense of getting lost in the vibey music, but there's less illusion of participation, if that makes sense. Um, perhaps due to a combination of that and Pigpen's passing, they seem to be playing for their own amusement and uh, comfort, first and foremost, here in 73. Okay, enough chasing our tails, time for the verdict. I stand by 72 as my favorite, primarily because of it being the Goldilocks year in terms of songbook, playing style, lineup, chops, motivation level, setlist structure, etc. Um, so even though 73 maybe has an even better songbook, 72's is really good and the best that they had had to that point. Um, so you get that uh, combined with, you know, still some of the favorites from uh, the earlier period. Um, in terms of playing style, I think it's the right balance between uh, the driving and floating approaches and um, you're bringing in the jazziness and the prog and all of that, but it still has some grit and... Uh, they still tap into that primal energy at times and stuff. Um, in terms of uh, lineup, it's the sweet spot of having overlap between Keith and Pigpen, um, at least for part of the year. It's uh, the best that their chops had been to that point and the highest that their motivation would be moving forward, I would say. So it's like the highest confluence of those two points. Um, it, like it's the, it's the most skilled that they were when I feel they still were really eager to prove themselves every single night, if that makes sense. Um, and I think it's the sweet spot for setless structure and stuff too. Um, plus the best year for Dark Star, which is my favorite song of theirs, and I think their most important live song. Um, however, it turned out to be a closer and more interesting race between the two years than I even expected, and I'm really glad that I made it through to the end. For all three categories, there really isn't a clear winner, but rather it's a case of what you prefer or value more, uh, what you're in the mood for that day. And I actually think I've arrived at a college football analogy, naturally, to unlock the key to the whole thing. Um, for the purposes of this analogy, both songs and band members will be related to players. Um, 
if you view the band like a college football program, say they've been on the rise from 65 through 68 and then quote unquote suddenly, but really it's not suddenly break through and win a title in 69 with a veteran core that got a spicy addition through the portal in the form of organist Tom Constantin to put their revolutionary offense, the primal dead uh, sort of sound over the top. Then in 1970, they lose some good pieces to the draft, but retain enough of the core, you know, Dark Star, the other one, Love Light, uh, and have an incredible recruiting class, that being the Working Man's Dead and American Beauty material. Uh, the star freshmen play right away, like, you know, your Uncle John's band, Ripple, all that, and make them even better than the 69 team. Uh, excelling on both sides of the ball, electric and acoustic, and they defend their title. And then they lose many more to the draft after that 1970 season, plus uh, some key you know, assistant coaches, maybe you want to view it in the form of Mickey leaving. Um, this coupled with a shift in playing style to better suit the new recruits, uh, leads to somewhat of a rebuilding year in 71, but they finish strong and win a good, although not New Year's Six bowl game. Then in 72, they come back loaded and hungry with a huge offensive coordinator hire in Keith Godshow. Uh, you know, just as a great, a great play caller makes the game flow smoothly. Keith softens the edges in the sound and, uh, was that missing piece. Uh, you could view him as a transfer, like a slot receiver or something too. Um, but I think it makes sense view him like the offensive coordinator. And then, well, adding Donna too, yeah, that's like a transfer portal addition, um, like a kicker or something. Um, and uh, so you... Uh, yeah, and then he so Keith's like the missing piece that suddenly made it all take off to its full potential, uh, sort of like Mick Taylor joining the Rolling Stones. If you uh, think of the January and March Winterland shows there in '72, like the the spring game or something, but uh, you know when the the season actually starts, they come out firing and play with something to prove every single week with a style that perfectly blends smash and flash. Um, you know, one of those rare teams that's great uh, on the ground and through the air, great defense too. Um, and that's what I was saying about 72 being the sweet spot for uh, still having some grit and drive and primal energy with the, the polish and jazziness and stuff. Um, so this killer instinct, the eagerness to prove themselves every night or, you know, coming to play every single week in the football analogy, coupled with a totally stacked roster or songbook now almost completely full of the uh, post first championship recruiting classes. So now almost completely songs written, you know, from 69 onward, uh, led to them running the table, going undefeated in 72, posting one of the most statistically dominant and pleasing to the eye or ear seasons that we've seen, uh, really playing behind their pads, leaving the starters in the full four quarters, you know, lots of long shows uh, with you know full dose or well-balanced meal sort of set lists and um, regard you know, leaving the starters in regardless of opponent, as in, you know, turning in their best effort no matter what city they're in, um, and capturing their third title in three years. They even got their controversial strength coach, Bear, back from his lengthy suspension from the sport uh, halfway through the year. And their star quarterback, Dark Star, also captured its unprecedented third Heisman, making a remarkable comeback after its medical redshirt in 71, uh, posting one of the most prolific and ruthlessly efficient seasons ever. Think 2019 Joe Burrow, uh, fireworks every game. Uh, it was a great version every night, all 31 of them. Um, so then heading into 73, 
they have a lot of talent returning, including Darkstar, but almost all other remaining players from the first title team in 69, uh, those who remember the sacrifices and the processes that built the winning machine, uh, either head to the NFL or run out of eligibility. Uh, you know, by 73, Dark Stars, one of the very few songs from the Primal Dead era that's still being played. Um, and in losing Pigpen, they lost their their team captain, ultimate glue guy, as you hear in the sports world, you know, heart and soul of the team, middle linebacker type, whose presence alone was invaluable, even if he didn't always show up big on the stat sheet. Um, they had some huge new recruits to attempt to fill the gaps, though, in the form of Eyes of the World, Here Comes Sunshine, Road Jimmy, those sorts of songs. Uh, they start the year pretty well, though oftentimes uh, giving the impression of sort of playing with their food, uh, holding inferior competition at bay. That would be the shorter shows in February. Then they get a big top 10 win at the end of you know, September in college football season, but that would be the the really strong last week of May and the April 2nd Boston show. Um and then upon closer inspection of the film, the coaches decide that the, the 72 playing style or formula isn't quite suited to the new recruits. So they start to shift proactively with the end of the season in mind, though this exacerbates the impression of intermittent boredom. Uh, the sense I get from 73 is the same sense I get from a lot of defending champions. They say all the right things, but you can tell it's a little tougher to keep that hunger to dominate and not leave any meat on the bone every single week. Uh, they start to only really get up for the big ones. Um, it's, it's sort of a case of like, the final result is still good by any objective measure. Like I can't pick out glaring flaws in the playing. Like the final result is still good because you're really good but I can tell you don't have the same fire in your belly tonight that you did last week. And that wasn't an issue last year. Um, so then they get another big win with the, 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 uh, the RFK, the big second night RFK, the Vancouver and Seattle shows mixed in there in June. Um, but then coming out of the bye week which would be like summer, where they didn't have that many shows. Uh, they're suffering a few injuries, that being the lack of jamming. Uh, and the play calling becomes very vanilla. The taking opponents for granted goes a bit too far, and they suffer an upset loss. That would be the kind of lackluster month of September. However, the loss sure gets their attention, and they rip off an incredibly dominant run to finish the season rivaling or even potentially surpassing the best stretches of 72 and capturing their fourth title in five years. No Heisman for Dark Star, though, who had somewhat of a frustrating season, battling a nagging injury that caused it or him to miss time. Uh, some of his best individual games, though, Springfield, St. Louis, Winterland, Cleveland, um, so how would they fare going for the three-peat in 74? Darkstar was granted one final year of eligibility and is returning, but would the nagging injury return as well? So that's it. That's all, folks. Really enjoyed this. Look forward to doing it for 74 next year, but I'll be honest, I'm glad it's only 40 shows instead of... Uh, 73, 72 this year, 86 last year. It's great stuff, but um, all of this work analyzing it and uh, listening with the view to make notes and knowing that you're going to have to remember months later is uh, a different kettle of fish than just listening to them all for leisure. Uh, so it's always kind of a relief when you get through the exercise, because it's like, wow, now I know these shows so much more and I can revisit them just for fun. Um, so I look forward to th that um, after doing a palate cleanse. Um, so we'll save the Merry Christmas, Happy New Year stuff for the, 
the quick year in review uh, update looking ahead to next year episode that I'll put up right after this. Um, thank you for listening. And as always, I encourage you to follow the show, particularly on Instagram. Um, if you're interested in a bit more content, you can consider subscribing to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper Plus uh, at the link in the description. If you're interested in starting your own show, if you sign up with my hosting service, Buzzsprout, you and I will both get a $20 Amazon gift card. And if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review, if that's an option wherever you're listening, those are very helpful to me. Uh, so thank you so much, and I will talk to you in the year in review episode. Class dismissed.